0: Welcome to part two of three, and the episode is episode three, Technology Without Feelings. In this part, I was originally interviewed by journalist and columnist Ian Franks. The Wellness Pathfinder takes a discovery journey along body, mind and soul.
1: Phoebe Scopes was the first international patient to receive HSCT therapy for multiple sclerosis in Moscow.
0: Yes, hello there.
1: So how did you find out about HSCT?
0: Well, I came across some news about a lady in Australia that would shortly receive HSCT to cure her MS. I read more information and details about this and realised that I had previously stumbled on The procedure briefly, some years ago, maybe in a magazine or something, or or on TV.
1: So Phoebe, you've done a lot of research. How did things develop?
0: I read the news that a patient in London received HSCT and contracted sepsis and lost her fingers and toes in a battle to save her life. At that time, I was blind to what MS was. I, I didn't know about this disease. So this news just sort of went over my head. And it had no relevance to me but i do remember thinking that at the time that the treatment which involved radiotherapy was terrible and i would never do something as dangerous as that but fast forward to recent years i was glad to hear that hsct and radiation had been replaced with chemotherapy which although it's still a serious treatment. Chemotherapy appeared to be a lot safer, a much safer option. And then I was excited that there was at last a treatment that didn't involve a lifetime of taking drugs or steroids. I found and joined a, a, a HSCT forum shortly after that. The, the forum was quite new, but I found them and I joined them and started sharing information about what I needed and the journey that I wanted to make.
1: And what attracted you to Moscow?
0: Well, actually, I learned from a group member that a facility in Moscow was thinking about opening their doors to treat overseas patients. But this facility didn't yet have a specific department dealing with and handling foreign clients. So I called the hospital in Moscow and requested an email address. I sort of went round and round with different departments. Of course, you know, with the language barrier, there was a little bit of digging to be done. And I got the email address of the doctor who was responsible for HSCT inquiries. And once I had these details, I wasted no time introducing myself, scanning and emailing relevant documents and basically asking as many questions as I could.
1: And what was your experience with neurologists at home when deciding to have the treatment?
0: Okay, so I requested an earlier appointment with my neurologist to share my findings and, and let him know that I wished to pursue HSCT. But then sat across him in his clinic my neurologist turn, turned around and told me that he wouldn't authorise or, or refer me for this treatment because I hadn't started, I hadn't used those disease-modifying drugs that, um, that, they, that they'd offered me on a number of occasions. He also advised me that I would be ripped off if I had went, went ahead and went to, to Russia uh, or anywhere abroad, really, and uh, he also said that HSCT would kill me. I was just really shocked and stunned by my neurologist's unprofessional and unkept response. His comments had an air of panic and concern. Not for my safety, I didn't feel. Instead, I wondered whether he was more worried about the security of his job going forward. You know, can you imagine if it was successful and more people were using it? Interesting.
1: Interesting. When did you go?
0: Went on the 17th of September 2012. My husband and I, we travelled and we stood in arrivals at Moscow Airport with two suitcases and a piece of paper with the address of the hospital. The first thing I remember was that we made our way to the airport car park where a group of taxi drivers stood waiting for their next job. Now, about, it was about 6 p.m., on a September evening in Moscow, so it's quite cold and the light was disappearing quite fast and I was extremely exhausted. I was really weak and felt really completely vulnerable, so I was very grateful that my husband had his wits about him and he negotiated the fare and, and then we got into the car. And The hour-long journey from the airport to the hospital felt like a white-knuckle ride. <laughs> I remember with his seat in a sort of um, reclined position, um, the driver used the roads as though he was going around a, a speed track. And by the time we got to the crowded motorway, it was, I mean, it was packed on the motorway, the driver, along with lots of other motorists, hopped on and off the hard shoulder to avoid the queues. I'd never seen anything like it. I decided to pull the large hood I had this top this beautiful fleece top that went everywhere with me and I just decided to pull the hood over the top of my entire head and then just close my eyes because minutes later I was sort of laughing under the under my breath as I remembered the words of my neurologist he almost certainly said that HSCT would kill me, but the treatment was now not the thing that I was actually worried about, to be honest. And it was late evening by the time we arrived at the hospital. This was a huge hospital, lots of different entrances as well, lots of, quite a few gates, and most of them were closed. I remember that the driver had to, couldn't speak any English and we couldn't speak any Russian. So we, so we didn't really have a conversation. But he got out of the car and he went to one of the gates and he pressed the intercom and spoke to somebody. And then he got back in the car and then he went round to another another entrance or another sort of a side entrance. And there we, you know, at that point, you know, I was absolutely exhausted and just thought, God, how do we get into this place and the driver didn't actually know this hospital either, so we were hoping that he, he knew where he was, because we certainly didn't. And as I mentioned, the hospital was just at the beginning of their experience with international patients, so there were still some areas that were not yet confirmed. Ah, uh, okay. It was really nice to actually see the doctor standing waiting for us, and he had his assistant with him as well so I got out of the car and she sort of put her arm around me and I had my, my cane in the other hand and and we went into this side entrance and up some stairs and it was just so nice to actually be there because it felt like the longest journey ever. So we were given a day to rest So the following day after we we got to Moscow, we just rested, hydrated got used to our our environment, all the sounds and trolleys going up and down the corridor, all that stuff. And then the, the day after that, and then for the next three or four days, if I remember, a nurse would come to my room with a wheelchair. And would wheel me around to all these different departments. The hospital is huge, or was huge. So there were all these different departments. I had x-rays, I had blood tests, I had liver function tests, everything you could think of, including an MRI. And it was not until the end of the week that the doctor came to to where my husband and I were and sat down with us and said, Well, all of the results have come back for everything. And I didn't have any active lesions. And I remember thinking, okay, well, if the doctor has the same belief and ideas as my neurologist back home, then I'm going home, really. But I was so relieved when the doctor said that all the tests had come back and he felt that with despite the fact that i had ms that i was fit and healthy and he felt that i would benefit from having hsct even though i didn't have active lesions the thing that he also said was that you know mri is it it picks up inflammation but there are many cases where there is an underlying inflammatory activity going on that, that it's not picked up so he felt that there was some activity there was something going on there and that for that reason I, I would benefit but it was really my call he was just basically saying look I'm happy to treat you but you need to know that this is what the MRI said and it's your choice. I was glad that I was still in there with the opportunity to have this treatment.
1: So what was the quality of treatment and care you received?
0: Well the first thing was that my husband was going to go back to the UK for a couple of weeks while I was in isolation because he wouldn't have been able to visit me and he had business in the UK and you know just generally wanted to catch up with family and let everybody know what was going on and I didn't know what to expect being on my own. The doctor spoke good English but his staff didn't speak any yet we all found ways of communicating. Now before the main treatment started the doctor suggested that he would devise a sheet and on the sheet, on one side in English, there'll be the sim- sort of a list of symptoms that often occurred during chemo. And then next to that, in another column, would be the translation, the Russian translation. This really worked well because it just meant that if I needed something, I just sort of had a look at it in English and uh, then went over to the Russian. I, you know, called the called the nurses, and we we got on with it pretty well. And I also knew that if I needed to to see the doctor directly, that there was also a place where I could say, you know, I need the doctor. And then, and he wasn't far. He would come day or night. He was just, he, he worked so tirelessly to make sure that everything was right. I thought I'd be really bored during treatment, sick and bored, because the first thing, I mean, reading books and magazines, would generally trigger off headaches and fatigue for me, and my dexterity was quite laboured. So even writing things or using my hands was quite a challenge. So here I decided to use my laptop to keep an ac- a sort of an account of my HSET experience in isolation. With my design background, I combined illustrations with daily entries, which I shared with. First of all, I shared them with the HSCT forum, just to keep them updated on what was going on. But then I used these illustrations and entries for, um, to create a, a, a book, which I call My Diary in Isolation. Just a really short book. It had information about the treatment, what happened to me, and then some sort of day-by-day illustrations as well to support what I was talking about. So this kept me really busy, and I soon got to know all the staff, the cleaners that left no surface unattended, and nurses that were working on the ward, and I watched as they maintained the highest level of care and dedication required when looking after seriously sick patients. I will never forget their kindness.
1: Can you tell us how long you were in hospital in Moscow?
0: Yeah, I spent six weeks in Moscow.
1: While still in hospital, how did you feel after your treatment?
0: In the days after receiving my last round of chemo, I was then given back a whopping 10 million stem cells that had been collected from me before my immune system, my old immune system, was destroyed with the chemo. And then a day or two later, the first thing I noticed was that my head fog and fatigue had lifted that sort of head fog where you everything feels heavy and your eyes feel like they're constantly misted over you can still see through them but the clarity in your vision you know you know that things are not quite right everything feels really you, you feel as if you've been wrapped up your head's been wrapped up in cotton wool well that was completely gone and my energy was so much better so my cognitive abilities fully returned, allowing me to add, to, to, to do simple things like add numbers, simple numbers together and work out problems without my head feeling like it was going to explode. Because before, every time I thought about something I, or tried to apply myself to a particular job, I, the headaches were just immense and they'd, they'd gone. My vision was clearer, my balance was better, and my limbs felt lighter. As a result of this, these physical improvements, I was able to walk unaided for probably about four or five metres.
1: Do you feel it was worthwhile having HSCT, or do you now regret having it?
0: Personally, I neither regret having HSCT or hail it as a, a miracle cure treatment, but I am glad I was in a position to use HSCT and I definitely experienced significant improvements after treatment, even though some of these were short-lived. My walking and my mobility is still working progress. I don't know how much of that I'm going to be able to restore, but of course it does take time. But the biggest improvement has stayed with me and is one that. I'm so grateful for is is the, the fact that my cognitive abilities were completely restored. You know, I was able to remember things. I was able to think logically. I was able to add up simple numbers. I was able to get back in my car and drive. All of these things really made such a difference. So I'm really glad that I have, I'm able to do what I, you know, work and and speak with people and create things in the, in the meantime.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to
0: share with us? Something devastating happened while I was in hospital and it had nothing to do with where I was or anything to do with my treatment. I'll never forget this day. I had completed my treatment and was excited because it would be the first day out of my complete isolation room in two weeks. I would be discharged from hospital in a day or two. So my husband was on a flight to get me and you know, get me ready and, and bring me home. So I was really excited to see him. And I was moving around a lot better, had lots of energy and stuff, but was reminded by the doctor that as part of the treatment I still had in my system a lot of painkillers, steroids and antibiotics and so when they stopped giving me all this medication, I would feel temporarily a little or very rough. I suppose the doctor was just trying to let me know and and to tell me to be realistically prepared. Anyway, that day my husband returned. He came back to the hospital. He was really happy to see the life in my eyes again. He even mentioned it. I walked about a little bit on the ward the ward corridor with my husband and then he took me back to my room he shut the the door on the the sort of there's a big glass door which is takes you into the isolation room and he and he closed this behind him and I remember saying oh you know honey you don't need to close that door anymore because I'm not in isolation but my husband said he had some bad news Well, basically, my sister-in-law had passed away the day before. She had been battling with cancer. She'd had breast cancer. She'd had her breasts removed, gone through all the everything that goes with that, you know, reconstruction, the pain, hormones, everything, and then was told that she had leukemia, but there was a donor in sight now, the last time I spoke with her was just after my husband had gone back to the UK, just before my treatment started. So it would have been two weeks ago. And I was sat down, I remember just being sat down on the bed. We were both laughing and talking about, you know, what kind of weeks we were going to have, so comparing weeks and just generally... Having a laugh and talking about all sorts of things our our children, and she has three beautiful children. just we were really looking forward to seeing each other again when all everything was over. Now, my husband hadn't wanted me he he told me what happened because he knew that I had access to Facebook and things, and he didn't want me to find out any other way. but the first person that he told was the doctor. And the doctor told the nurses as well. So they all got prepared for what could happen. They knew what was going to happen. And I spent the next 24 hours, I think it was, just crying. I, I didn't know I had that much tears, to be honest. The nurses came in to sedate me and try and make me feel comfortable through the evening and through the night. And in the morning, I think I was still crying and I couldn't walk. So, again, the nurses had to help me out of bed and help me get washed. They were really amazing. So there I was, sitting on a ward, after hearing all this bad news, surrounded by drip trolleys, monitors, machines and high-tech equipment. I was reminded... That the simple things that happened around me, the genuine care, love and support that I received from really total strangers, that feeling that I got was the starting point for me. It was the thing that told me that human connections was going to play the biggest part in my recovery going forward. Thank you.